We're coming out of the introduction to the theme for 2021. We began early in December, if you remember. I was out, I was on my own, just sitting on a bench seeking God, and he spoke to me to talk to you. It was an unusual thing for me, to be honest. It was very, very, very strong. My people are limiting me. And then we looked at how we do that for several weeks, and No Limits became our theme, based on Psalm 74. We looked at sovereignty and, and man, God's sovereignty and man's responsibility. We looked at God's sovereignty and the believer's authority, the authority that you have, as Shabani very clearly told us about there. And then on Friday nights, we've been doing end times. Now, that's been heavy. <laughs> it's been information overload. Sometimes scriptures like that, you know, not everything is John's gospel. It's not all that simple. You've got Romans, you've got Revelation. But I am very, very aware as your pastor that both on the Sundays and on the Fridays, it's been very academic for about two months. It's been very technical. It's been very information heavy, etc., etc. And I'm just conscious and watchful of our diet that we don't go down uh, the wrong road here. So today I want to do something different, but on the same theme. Uh, I really feel God move me in this direction. So give me your full attention this morning. We're doing end times. We're talking about many things. We're studying many things. But you know what? It's all about a wedding. All of this, all of it. Creation of mankind, was because God in eternity past, God the Father, wanted a bride for his eternal son. And one day we will realize the enormity, the majesty, the glory of this God, who we can be so casual with, that all of this, all of this, was just to find him a bride. Oh Lord, I mean, it's enough to make me shake in my shoes. This is all about a wedding. And I want you, in the midst of so many distractions, and there are many distractions today, that's for sure, I want you right now to, with your spiritual eyes, focus on the groom. Focus on the Lord Jesus Christ, your eternal husband, man. Your eternal husband. Pull those spiritual eyes. Refuse to get distracted by the noise, the pandemics, the crises, which are many, and focus in the name of Jesus on Jesus, on the groom, on the marriage supper. You know, how on earth did Jesus finish the course? How on earth did Jesus just go so consistently through his life? The Bible tells us, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He had his eye on the prize. He didn't get distracted and that enabled him to endure. So again, focus on Jesus this morning. Yes, Pastor Tim, I have had a lot to do with marriage. A lot to do. Surprising to me, to be honest. Very surprising. It's the last thing on earth I thought I would be involved with. Many couples don't enjoy their own wedding. They get so stressed out about it. 
And one of the things I do in pre-marriage, so we agree as a church that this man's going to marry this woman and we meet for the first time, you know, and almost immediately the guy starts to stress out and you can hear his mind thinking, I can't afford it. What are we going to do? I haven't got enough money. They're all the same, the men, you know. And then the women, they're completely different. They're staring out the window when I'm talking and I can think, what about my dress? I wonder what my hair is going to look like. All these stress things. I can't invite her. No, I can't invite him. And, and, and right from the get-go, right from the first meeting, the stress overload kicks in. And many people do not enjoy their own wedding. They don't enjoy their own wedding. They get so overloaded with stress. But that betrothal time should be a beautiful time. This is our betrothal with Jesus. It's supposed to be a beautiful time. It's supposed to be a time of expectation for Christ. Wonderful excitement, like a child. Excited about Christmas or whatever. I'm excited about it. But if we handle it the wrong way, it goes very wrong. Do you know what Jesus said? I go to prepare for you. It's a preparation time this betrothal time. I go to prepare a place for you. That's the marriage supper of the Lamb and your eternal home, just like any husband does. You go and you find a place to live. You fix it up. You make it the best you can. And then you come back and you get your bride. I go to prepare a place for you. And equally prepared, prepared. As Jesus is preparing for you, we are also called to prepare for him. Behold, the bride has made herself ready. So we are also getting prepared in a multitude of ways, which I want to look at today. We were talking about this, preparing this message last night at home. And Mary's remembered a program that they have in South America, and I believe in North America. I don't know if it's available in Europe. It's called Neurotic Brides. <laughs> I love it. Neurotic Brides. And the, the, it's a series of programs, documentaries, following a, a, a couple who get engaged all the way through. And let me just read you about, about the producer and the directors here, some of the comments they've made about the, the state that some brides get into. Some of them, the preparation devastates their nervous system. Some of them, instead of a dream, it becomes a nightmare. Some of them transform into monsters. <laughs> some of them become very fierce and stubborn. And that's why, and in some cases, all sense of romance, all sense of romance is gone by the time you get to the wedding. That's shocking. That's shocking. The sheer, you know, in some sense, worldly pressures that people have. One of the things I've noticed about the preparation stage for marriage, the betrothal stage, is that many brides, I mean, you meet them for the first time and they're sitting, hi, Pastor Mike, we want to get married. I love, mm, 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 mm. And then some transformation kicks in and that woman can turn into Adolf Hitler. Where's my cake? Where's my dress? It just changes. They, 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 and this is what the program is about. You don't have to do that. See the Christian life, church life, can be very stressful. Very stressful. We've got to be careful that we don't become a neurotic bride. Amen. Hallelujah. There's a lot of administration. You've got to get hotels. You've got to get honeymoons. You've got to get food. You've got to get clothes. You've got to get invites. You've got to get flights. You've got to get... 
a thousand things and that's what causes the stress so today I want to do something just a little bit different who are you getting married to what's your identity of Jesus this Jesus Christ this God who has saved you and invited you this way I want to look at God's identity which is so misconstrued so often and what about our identity your identity as an individual and our identity I think it's a very first statement to say that the world has a pretty dim view of God pretty bad view of God if you ask the lost and most of the populace sum God up for me in one word what what use one word much of the world would say uh, absent absent I mean he's not doing anything careless he doesn't care A misunderstanding of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility right there right one word angry angry God's angry God's a God of wrath that's what I was taught and when you think of the perspective that the lost have that's pretty bad you know and very very wrong I hope we as Christians don't get that wrong that's for sure I was a nurse I was a nursing assistant and then I did some specialisms within the community helping people with mental illness and violent behavior etc and around over 30 years ago 35 36 37 years ago something like that I was selected with two other nurses to deal with a very unique situation this was a child it was about 12 13 14 years old and he had suffered some physical abuse okay physical slapping and all that and he'd had that for quite some time so he ended up in in care and we were asked to begin to change his perspective of men his perspective of how his relationships work I will never forget the first day I met that boy I walked into the room and that boy took my hand and began to smack his head with my hand because I didn't smack him I wanted to hug him but in his mentality the only thing a human being does to me is they hit me why aren't you hitting me come on do what you're supposed to do heartbreaking absolutely heartbreaking so we did like 24 hours a day there were several nurses involved and we did shifts and eventually but it was many months and I remember one day we changed buildings and I walked in the buildings I always remember this because he saw me ran to me and hugged me praise the Lord <laughs> took a long time took a long time to begin to change how people see that father figure that male figure that husband and by the way when it comes to the bride of Christ it doesn't matter male or female doesn't apply in that circumstance how how do I perceive God how can I love a God if that's my perception that's terrible that's a wrong perception there are some things that God has and there are some things that God is they're very different and this is the basis of the misunderstanding there's some things that God has but they don't describe him and there's some things that God is if I asked you if someone said to you describe Pastor Mike for me and you said oh Pastor Mike he's a hand you wouldn't say that 
That's not a good description. That's absurd. I have a hand. There are things I have. Right? I've got a head. I've got legs. I've got hands. But that's not a description to me. That's very, very inaccurate and misleading. I'm me. So there are things I have. And there are things I am. God has access to judgment. It's true. And anger and wrath. God has access. But it's not a good description of him. God is not judgment. Any more than I am a hand. I tell you what God is. God is love. God is love. And God has judgment. God is love. And God has wrath. I am Mike. But I have hands. I have access to certain attributes. Your God is a loving God. And your God is a holy God. I hope that sinks down and changes your mentality, if it needs changing, of who he is. If you asked me to describe my earthly father, Patrick McKeever, I would say to you, he was a loving and holy, very sanctified man. He was a loving father. And someone would say, well, didn't he discipline you? Yes, yes, yes. Because he loved me. He had access to discipline. But that's not the description of him. Every parent, every mother, every father knows what I'm talking about. When you discipline your child, that's not natural. That's not nice. You don't want to do that. You love your child. And because you love your child, you have to reach out for an alien task. But it's not your makeup. It's not your desire. It's not a description of you. But the child can misunderstand you. The child can misconstrue you. And think that you are anger. You are wrath. You are judgment. But you're not, are you? The prophet Isaiah. Wonderful. Love Isaiah. Isaiah described judgment as God's alien task <laughs> here he comes to perform his alien task his foreign duty his unusual task in different versions absolutely correct Isaiah absolutely correct every parent has to have discipline has to have order and because I love my child yes I do discipline them I hope they don't misunderstand me I hope they don't get that as the, 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 the central perspective of who I am, that's going to really seriously affect my relationship. In the epistles and in the book of Acts, the church is referred to as the church. The church, the church, the church. But when you get later in time in the book of Revelation, which unravels these days that we live in, the name changes. Funny that. <laughs> The name changes and the church is referred to as the bride. Must be getting pretty. All the duties are done. All the preparations are done. And suddenly. Dee, 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 dee. We're getting close to be hearing that music. Won't be that music. But you know what I mean. We're getting close to that day. Close to the day when the preparation is finished. The betrothal. That part is done. And we're moving out of the engagement. And into the actual ceremony. The church is described as the church in the book of Acts. But once we get into these days, something is supposed to happen us. A revelation, an awareness of who we are as the bride of Christ. 
is supposed to overcome us. And I can see John seeing that. He can see what? The church. He can see the bride. Something has happened, the identity of the church on earth in those last days, as John saw. And I hope that something is happening you. So that's God's identity. I want you to know that God is love. And God is holy. That's a good description. But what about us? What about you? How do you see yourself? How do we perceive the church? It's very, very, very important. Some people have this identity of who we are and what the church is very mixed up. Some people see the church as only a hospital. The church is a place where sick people go. You, you go to a new church and they say, oh, welcome. What's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? I'm fine. Well, you've come to church, haven't you? There must be something wrong with you. And the only thing, they, the only perception they have is the church is a hospital. No, the church is a bride. Church is a bride. Fundamentally a bride. Absolutely, we function in some ways, but we're a bride who does some hospital duties. Other people see the church like an army. Bang, bang, bang. Driving out demons everywhere. <laughs> I'm not fundamentally a soldier. Yes, I am. I do the duties of a, of a soldier. But I am fundamentally a bride. Who's the name of that evangelist goes around the world? It's a woman evangelist. And she dresses in a wedding dress when she preaches. But she has wedding boots. Uh, sorry, army boots. <laughs> she has army boots on. And she's making a point. A very good prophetic point. She's saying, fundamentally, you are the bride of Christ. Hello! Yes, I've got my army boots on. Yes, I have other duties. But don't ever lose that perspective of who you are centrally. Other people see the church as a university or a social club or a workhouse or a building or a machine or a culture club. All of these are disastrous because they're wrong. The church is the bride of Christ. That's what the church is. And all of these ministries, all of these functions are transformed when we know who we are, when we minister, I hope the worship team is listening, when we minister out of our perspective that I am the bride of Christ, it changes everything. When I pray and I evangelize from a perspective that I've been chosen, blood-bought, and I'm going to a wedding, that changes everything. The energy of my knowledge of who he is and who I am, it communicates. You don't have to say anything. Come on, guys. You're engaged. <laughs> You're engaged. Something to rejoice about. Don't get distracted by all the preparations. All the ministries. Praise God for the ministries. But they're not central. At some point, the church turns, I tell you. At some point, from Acts through the epistles, something happens to the bride and suddenly they are focused on Jesus Christ. How wonderful is that? Absolutely wonderful. Our story, I'm going to make a little <coughs> testimony <coughs> on video about our, our story in Colombia and how we met as a couple. But the first thing I gave my wife was an engagement ring, a betrothal. It's not marriage. It's not marriage. But I gave her that. I gave her that in front of her father, in front of all her family, and in front of the leaders of the church there, right there in Colombia. And it's a funny old time engagement. I had some very clear prophetic words, as did the family, as did the church leaders, that we should be married. So everybody was of one accord, which is not easy to get. <laughs> but you know what? I'm just telling the truth. 
even with all the prophecy that gave me such confidence and such belief God is opening a door here for me even with that when she had the engagement ring there was still an engagement time there was a betrothal time and certain fears began to creep in not doubts doubts are different I never doubted for one second because I had such a strong prophetic word on this issue fear is different certain fears I wonder will we get the visa I wonder will I get the marriage certificate what if she what if she loses faith I've got faith but what about her it's a funny time the betrothal time because I start to wonder maybe she won't show up <laughs> da -da 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 -da. hello where is she maybe she won't show up anything could happen this is the betrothal time of the bride of Christ where is he where is your God oh foolish Christians who are you waiting on he's not coming back right to Peter Peter tells us people will laugh at us and mock us in these last days the betrothal is a funny old time but you are engaged you know you're born again Christian and you've received the Holy Spirit God has given you a ring God has given you an engagement ring not a wedding ring yet but he's certainly given you a betrothal ring I'm gonna read it to you and you that's you and you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth the gospel of your salvation when you believed you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit a ring an engagement who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are called God's possession so what Paul by the way that's Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 Paul is talking to the church and let me put this in, in picture term I was thinking this morning in LFC there's been a few people baptized in the Holy Spirit right here the last person I remember was Athanasio right here and it was genuine it was a baptism in the Holy Spirit I know because I've been there I thought praise the Lord Athanasio do you know what that is that's your engagement that's proof that's the deposit from Jesus sending the Holy Spirit as a deposit in you pulling you towards the marriage where everything will be confirmed all you've got to do is keep up the payments right it's a deposit Paul calls it a deposit you have received a deposit guaranteeing provided you keep up the payments of your place at that wedding supper how amazing is that so Sarah I've got some news for you your husband's engaged hallelujah but it's nothing to worry about <laughs> so here's a question how do I change my perspective I want to be a good bride who wants to be a good bride you want to be a good bride I want to be the best bride I can be as a person we want to be a good bride we want our churches to be a good bride <coughs> how 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 do I do that number one God wants a bride who's a good timekeeper <laughs> how many people how many brides do you know are good timekeepers they're always late they're always late the poor guy's sitting there he's sweating he's sitting on the front row <laughs> you know he's panicking his heart's beating where is she she's still at home she just called she's in the bath or whatever you know they're always late and you know in some ways I say no problem 
When dealing with an earthly wedding, okay, everybody relax. But I, I got a piece of, of advice here, guys, a very strong warning for you. Do not be late for the marriage supper of the Lamb. The situation is reversed. In an earthly wedding, it's kind of fine that the bride comes traditionally a little bit late, and it's kind of fine that the groom is standing there. However, Jesus Christ is no ordinary groom. And this is no ordinary wedding. We're supposed to be here now. <laughs> We're in the church now. It's a very early start. This is a very important groom. This is a groom like no other groom. This is a, a wedding that's required great preparation, enormous cost. And every day, not just every Sunday, every day I'm sitting, waiting, watching, because I believe he's coming. And even though they say he's not coming, and even though they do, I know in my heart, he has given me my engagement ring. I've got the spirit inside me. My Jesus will come. And I will be ready for him. God wants a bride who is on time. Early, very, very early, doesn't leave her seat waiting and happy and full of faith. Hallelujah. This is the time for this, more than any other time. This is the time for you to take your seat and wait on him. Wait respectfully on Jesus. Many pieces of advice in scripture on this point. Remember Song of Songs, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived. Song of Songs. It's a warning. The bride is half asleep. <coughs> Excuse me. The bride is half asleep and half awake. Right? 50-50. 50%-50%. The bride is half asleep, half awake. Is someone at the door? Yeah. Did you hear something? Maybe it's a dream, you know. And then last time, and the groom is gone. And Solomon said, the bride wakes up. Oh, I wasn't dreaming. There was someone there. And she runs out and he's gone. She was sleeping. <laughs> and then Jesus updates this warning with the ten virgins. They all receive the engagement ring. They all receive the oil. But some of them don't keep up the payments. Half of them, 50-50, here we go again. They fall away. They fall asleep. And the bridegroom comes, and as we were looking on Friday night, he takes the church away and the door is shut. That's where you have to be early. <laughs> you have to be early. Don't be late. Don't be late for this, guys. Be late for many things in your life, but don't ever be late for this one. That's the biggest mistake you can ever make, I tell you. I do not want to make that mistake. How do you become a good bride? How do we become a good bride as a church? Be punctual in fact be very very early begin your understand that you are betrothed understand that this is my preparation time he is dutifully preparing a place for me now i must dutifully prepare myself for him behold the bride has made herself ready second thing that i need to do when i realize i'm a bride is i need to have a living and active love for Jesus Christ. A living and active love. Let me explain what I mean for that. We were counting yesterday. I've done many marriages. And 
You marry people from China, from Russia, many from Africa, from America, from South America, from all over the world, you know. And I think probably about, I've done about 26 cultures, probably more. People from different cultures. And as you do the marriage preparation for these people, you see many you know, amazing things. Uh, I remember several times, I won't mention what culture this is, this is their business, but this is the way it is. I'm the pastor, I come in and I sit down, and the couple's sitting there, fold your arms like this, like, no, like this, the couple's sitting there, and there's no romance, there's no love, there's no affection, and I walk in and say, are you the two getting married? And he goes, mm-hmm. You don't look very happy about it. <laughs> are you the two getting married? Uh-huh, we're getting married. And the pastor's happy with it, the parents are happy, okay, fine. <laughs> very strange living an act of love do you guys love each other or what anyway you do the wedding but keep watching what happens the baby comes yeah the baby comes and you see this woman and this man they love the baby all the love goes on the baby 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 some cultures the the, the love bit is not so much between the husband and wife that's not the case in some cultures in some cultures, it's very practical and they lavish the love on the child. That's unhealthy. Child-centered marriages are never a good idea. It, it leads to a lot of problems and it's not a good family structure for me. However, recently, the opposite has begun to happen in many cultures. Uh, certainly, there's been a huge depletion of true motherhood. I mean, mums are changing around this world. Even in my lifetime, I've seen that. And some couples, they fall in love with each other, have a baby, don't really care about the baby. Don't really care about the baby. So many babies, children, they're farmed out, given away. I don't care. I don't, you know, it's not, there's something wrong with that. And other cultures, it begins to get a bit more balanced. Husband loves the wife, the wife loves the husband, and together they love the children and everybody loves each other. Now we're getting somewhere. Tell us, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your might. And to love everyone else, to love your neighbor as yourself. So God doesn't want that distant type of love. It's not an academic thing, this marriage, is it? It's a relationship. It's a living and active relationship. But we get tied up in betrothal times like, Martha, Martha, just leave the ministry a minute and come and sit at my feet. Mary has chosen the better part. She's focused on who she is and who I am. She's in relationship with me. But you're playing church, playing hospital, playing soldiers. And there's a place for that. But understand to keep the balance. God wants a bride with a living and active love. A third thing I would say is God wants a bride that's evangelistic. In Song of Songs, when she missed the knock at the door, <coughs> she went outside and she ran through the streets of the village. And she had to describe the groom to everyone. And she says, my, my lover is one in ten thousand. And she describes what he's like. And by the time she's finished, <laughs> everybody's following her. The description is so vibrant, so amazing. This is evangelistic bride. This is the description of an evangelistic bride. 
I want some of you guys to pray for us. I'm more than happy to publicly confess. I wish I had the kind of spirit that I see in the bride in Song of Songs. Some people have it. Sima. Sima, one of our members here. Sima is bursting like a fountain, like a waterfall with an evangelistic spirit. So when she's standing out on that street, I can say, would you like a cup of tea? But when she says it, it's like, I want that cup of tea. Because whatever's inside you, it's, it's wonderful. Shabani is another one. When, when I look at you, I'm sorry, I'm just being honest. Because some of you have an evangelistic spirit. You have a winning spirit. And that's what I see in the bride in Song of Songs. Pray for us. And I pray that all of us pick up this same spirit. And we exude it wherever we go. Half your work is done if you get the spirit right. Get your spirit right. I'm in love. I'm in love. I, I've got a savior who loves me. You don't, have, you, don't, you don't have to say that. You don't have to say that because people can pick it up. They pick it up when they come near you. What is in you? Come on, guys. God wants a bride that's evangelistic. Not the ABCs of salvation. More so the love relationship that's overflowing. Not so much the ministry, the relationship. Hallelujah. Fourthly, God wants a bride that's Christ-like. A bride that's Christ-like. A little bit more tricky. <coughs> A little bit more tricky than it sounds. Because being Christ-like is not just about my character. Most, so much churches, so many churches and Christians, it's all about character, character, character. Well, I, I tell you what, folks, it is not all about character. It is not all about character. You can have a sterling character and a rotten personality. You can have a great character, and a, that's what the Pharisees were like. That's what legalism defines. You can have a great character. That's the easy part. <laughs> That's the easy part. It's your personality, your interpersonal skills, my love of people, my interaction. That's the personality part. And when, 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 when God says he wants the bride to be Christ-like, don't you dare take half of what he means. <laughs> oh, that's my character. No, I mean, yes, it's your character. But it's your disposition as a person. I need to let my personality, and I've got natural traits just like you. I've got inclinations. There's no excuse for them. No excuse for them. I must change my personality to be Christ-like. The bride should be Christ-like. They say that the longer you live with your partner, husband and wife, the more like them you become. I think there's a truth in there. Well, the longer I'm with Jesus, the more like Jesus, the bride of Christ should become. We should be transformed into his likeness. Not a future thing, yes, but it's a now thing. It's a here and now thing. And by the way, the way I treat you, Mary, the way I treat her is very, very typical of the way I treat God. Now, you've probably heard that before, but I want to draw a big, you know, highlighter through that. I want you to hear that. Men, are you listening? I'm telling you, that is so true. Think about yourself. Just think a moment about yourself, guys. The way you treat your wife is incredibly similar to the way you treat God. And women, let me say this. Wives, <coughs> the way you treat your husband, think about it. 
the way you treat that husband, that is very, very similar to your attitude to Jesus Christ. I need to respect God. The bride needs to have respect for the groom. A, a wife, let me talk about the women a moment. My wife needs to respect me. In, in this case, I'm the groom. I am an example of this heavenly relationship. So you don't pull the wool over my eyes. If you're not going to respect me, please don't tell me that you're respecting God. That is, that is a fallacy. You're deceiving yourself. You're self-deceived. You need to respect me. And that tells me you respect God. But if you tell me you, res you respect me and you disrespect, I don't believe you. I don't believe you. How does she, how, in what ways should my wife respect me? How does this work out? How, give me some practical guidelines. Well, I'll tell you what she needs to do. You need to accept my judgments. You need to accept my judgment. If I say, yes, we can do this, or no, we can't, don't argue with me all the time. <laughs> this is a Genesis problem. Your desire will be to rule. Your desire will be to rule over your husband. But guess what? God's the boss and he's going to rule over you. When a woman is constantly questioning her husband's judgments, this is a disrespect. And this is symptomatic. The same woman who questions her husband's judgments, I guarantee you she's questioning God. She's questioning God. In the same, it, it, the, this is a mirror image of other. Why did you do this? I don't think God's right. I'm going to do this my way. Wives need to respect their husband's judgments, his decisions. This is a sign that she will also respect God, the groom, Jesus. But also you need to respect my abilities. And so many husbands, they say, I'm going to do this. And the wife will say, oh, please, no, leave it to me. <laughs> I'll do it. I'll do it. As if to say, I can do everything better, okay? This is another Genesis issue. You have to be very careful of that. My wife's skills, <coughs> her IT skills, her tech skills are far better than mine. She's got some training and, and not qualifications, but training. She's been to many courses on Excel and Word and PowerPoint and all this. And I really respect you for this, kid. Well done. Thank you. When I'm at home, when she, she, she'll say, what are you doing? And I'll say something like, I'm, I'm, I'm creating a PowerPoint that I have to do in Keynote. And then after that, I've got to put the video in it. And I'm going to have to play it through this system. And she sits there and she says, okay, great. I'll, I'll pray for you. But she could easily say, question my abilities. <laughs> I could do that 10 times. She doesn't do that. Just go ahead and try. And I'll try and I'll try and say, could you help me now? That's different. That's completely different. Now I'm inviting him. Women, don't constantly question the judgments of your husband. You're getting in trouble there because you're going to end up questioning God and everybody else. Don't constantly question the abilities of your husband. Let him make the mistake. Better have a happy marriage and have the wrong color paper on the wall than have the paper you wanted and be miserable. Yeah, hallelujah. <laughs> God wants a bride who's Christ-like. Number five. God wants a bride that's attractive to sinners. Jesus was incredibly attractive to sinners. Surely the true measure of my spirituality, truly the true measure of my spirituality is the level to which sinners come to me. That's the measure. Are sinners attracted to me? 
Do they flock to me? Do they gather around me? Do they want to be with me? This is, this is what made Jesus different. Sinners loved him. They flocked to him. But the religious people stayed away from him. <coughs> God wants a bride that's attractive to sinners. If, if you asked me, if you give me a trophy, <coughs> big gold, beautiful trophy, <laughs> and you said, Pastor Mike, give this trophy to the best member that you've ever had in any of your churches. Choose someone and present them with this trophy. We were talking about this last night, just as little hypothesis. And you know what I would do? I remember in one church, not in this country, I was pastoring that church. And one day, this girl walked in. Now, I'm telling you, she was one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen. She was gorgeous. You know, sometimes there's an elephant in the room, right? And I was sitting with a group of about 15 people. And one of the people, she had, we didn't even know who she was. One of the people just spoke up and said, you are absolutely beautiful. It was like the elephant in the room is out. And she was, she was gorgeous. She was with me for two years, two years in that church. I was very interested to see what she was like. Do you know, she was one of the most humble, merciful, gracious people I have ever known. When people had problems, they would call her and bring her with them to come to me to have counseling. Person after person. When someone was crying, I could see them go to her. Such, God wants a bride that's attractive to sinners. Attractive to sinners. And one of the terrible things, one of the abuses of us, is when the beauty of Christ comes upon us, that we can become somehow corrupted and aloof or proud. But I will never forget that girl. And I would give her that trophy. And do you know what this trophy is for? Cast your crowns before Christ, but get my point. You never became abusive of the goodness of God. You were full of mercy. That's beautiful. You were more beautiful on the inside than you were ever outside. And you're beautiful outside. But in comparison to the beauty inside you, you're full of love, full of humility. And that's why people flock to you. A bride that's attractive to sinners. And may God make us as individuals and as churches a bride that's attractive to sinners. Point six. God wants a bride who's a servant. A servant in heart. And so often that's not the case, is it? I mean, the last thing you think in some weddings when you look at it, you know, this is like a queen status. Just be a little bit careful there. In, <coughs> in some of the Eastern, Eastern European cultures, when they do a wedding, they have a beautiful tradition. When everybody sits down for the meal in the evening and the wedding's all over and it's the reception, when the food is beginning to be served, the bride and groom get up. They put this white cloth like a waiter on their arm and the first people to serve the guest, the top table, is the groom, the servant king in the wedding. <laughs> Remind you of anybody? And the groom, the groom, he's not proud, he's a servant. 
The groom goes first and gives an example to everyone and serves the invited guests. And the bride follows the same attitude, the same servant heart. God wants a bride who is a servant of others. Servant of all. Taking on the nature of your king, the nature of the groom. Christ-likeness. And seventhly, God is coming back for a bride who has made herself ready. Strong advice on this in scripture. You know, there's the parable of the prodigal son. And I did a message. Mary's done it in Spanish as well in Colombia there a few months ago. The message is called the prodigal bride. The prodigal bride, a bit like Song of Songs. The bride who comes back to her groom. The bride who maybe had doubts in his love. Had doubts of his return. And if today, if any of you need to have that approach like the prodigal son, become today that prodigal bride and return to Christ. Yes, we do our ministries. Continue to do your ministries. We believe in that. We're a very faithful, hardworking church. God bless you. But keep your relationship strong. Keep your relationship strong with God. Jesus said, I go... To prepare a place for you. And I'm expecting you. To prepare for that place. Ray. Can you put the photo up? I don't know if you got the photo that I sent you. I sent Ray a photo this morning. Can you put that on the screen? Take a look at this. This was our wedding. I walked into this in Colombia. I had no idea what was going to happen absolutely none is that beautiful or what absolutely breathtaking I, I, I got a word from the Lord to say to marry this lady here but I had no time for preparation I didn't know what to do I had to walk in faith had to go in faith and her apostle was traveling so he gave us only about 12 weeks before engagement to getting married. It's not possible to do a wedding in that time. But the apostles, who you will meet soon, I hope, they organized all this for us because she's a good friend. They love her very much. So, I, sorry folks, it's just so moving, so emotional for me when I see this. I walked into this place and I was like in a dream. I was dreaming and I you know are you telling me that this is my wedding are you serious I had never ordered anything I didn't plan anything I didn't even ask for anything didn't ask for a thing and when I saw I took that photo myself and what comes to my mind is this one scripture I have gone to prepare a place for you and I'm coming back for you. Thank you, Ray. Take it away now, please. <clears throat> Jesus said, I have gone to prepare a place for you. Jesus has been working on that for 2,000 years. The place where we're going to be, the marriage supper of the Lamb, heavens above. That little photo is such an infinitesimal 
scrap of nothingness in comparison to the marriage supper of the Lamb that is up ahead for those who will keep themselves right and who will prepare themselves for the second coming of Christ. You are engaged. God has given you his Holy Spirit. You've got a ring on your finger. Now lift your head up and walk out into that world and tell people about your groom. Go and spread the gospel. Go tell it on the mountains. Go and tell them of your Savior, like the bride in Song of Songs. Go bring in the end times harvest. God is with you. God loves you, and he is with you. When I saw that setting, when I saw that place in Colombia, the one thing was going through <coughs> my mind. There is a God in heaven who loves me. There is a God in heaven who will never forsake me, who will never abandon me. He forgives me of all my wrongs and he has my best interest in heart. And I tell you what, he is able. I will not doubt his abilities. I will not doubt his judgments when he says, go and take someone I hardly even know. I will trust my God. I will trust him and see what he can do in this year of no limits. So take your human perspectives of this good God away. Shatter them in Jesus' name. See him for the good God that he is. God is love. God is holy. Yes, he has discipline, but that's not his description. Your God is a God of love, reaching out for you. He has removed everything to make a way for you. So come back, prodigal bride. Come back. Still got time. We're still here, still got time. You can come right now. Right now. This morning, we, just before this service, we were preaching in Moldova. <coughs> exactly the same way, not the same message, completely different message. But the same moment, because it's the same bride. It's the same church. Same bride all over the world. Bringing people back to Jesus Christ. Continue with your ministry. But I want you to come back to Jesus. Michael and the evangelism team. Can we get the expression of Jesus into the evangelism? Worship team. Can we write songs about being the bride? Can we do that? About the excitement that that places in us? Prayer ministry. Can we pray from that perspective? Fathers, can you fall in love with your children and your wives again? Wives fall in love with your husbands again? Realize that you are an image of this incredible God that he's blessed you. Start to reflect it. Come on, guys. 2021, in Jesus' name, the limits that I have put, remove them, Father, and help me do my part in this. God bless you. I'm going to ask Pastor Tim to prepare yourself to pray for us as we close this morning. Thank you, Tim.